Welcome to Pitch It To Me Podcast, a show about the subjective past, present, and potential future of flesh and blood design. This week, we decided to phone it in and make a bland, uninspired episode. Today's episode is on generics. On red pitch, Fuzzy will discuss the roles of generics in providing a power floor. On yellow pitch, Joel will talk about the roles of generics to fill out archetypes. And on blue pitch, Clark will talk about the relationship between hate cards and generics. You can find us across all socials, such as TikTok and Instagram, at Pitchatimi Podcast. So, boys, for today's episode, I thought I'd write a little poem to go along with it. Hold on, let me get my plastic skull out. A tabe or not tabe, generic, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of specializations, or to take arms against the say of heroes, and by opposing in them, to die, to scoop, no more. (laughs) (laughs) We're men of culture on our podcast. So the original name of the episode was to be or not to be generic. And so I just, I wanted to force that in here somewhere. It was a wonderful poem, Clark. Yeah, great job. It was not. I changed like four words. You mean that wasn't an original? No. (laughs) Today we're exploring generics, the most boring and necessary card in Flesh and Blood. Class specific cards and hate cards and their intended use case. Like, we have some of the most polarizing matchups floating around, largely due to how narrow the card pools are as it stands. And by that, I mean, like, Dromai, for instance, ally hate is pretty limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So far, only to warriors, but I feel like more classes than just warriors suffer really terribly into Dromai. Specifically, like, Assassin, Brute isn't super great unless your name is Reinar. Oh, so many heroes too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, sure, Lexi can deal with Dromai because mm-hmm. of all the go-again that Voltaire gives, but, like, Riptide just hates running into Dromai. Yeah, it's an auto-loss. Yeah. So when we talk about flesh and blood card design, there's oftentimes this desire to focus on, like, the big, splashy, flashy cards that break the math of the game when we really should be looking at, you know, what is the baseline? What are What should we expect from these cards? And I think that generics are really where we get to see what LSS really determines as, like, the floor, the expectation that is set for all heroes all over the place. And Fuzzy, your section is talking a lot more about that. Could you tell us a little bit in your red pitch? So for red pitch today, I wanted to talk about what I consider one of the most important things that generics bring to the game of flesh and blood, and that's providing a power floor for every class. And what do I mean by that? I mean that every class in the game has access to certain tools because they exist in generic, and they help jumpstart a class's card pool by providing a baseline. For example, we can see Wounding Blow is a zero for four that blocks for three, right? Every class has access to a zero for four that attack that blocks for three, zero cost, four power, because Wounding Blow exists. No class is forced to run attacks that are worse than that in every situation that are strictly worse, partly because there are none that are strictly worse, but we know they're not going to print anything that's worse than that because we have Wounding Blow to base ourselves off of, generally. Or like Critical Strike, which is a one cost five attack, block three with no ability, or Brutal Assault, which is two for six, and Raging Onslaught, which is a three for seven that blocks for three. There's also other options for attacks at different breakpoints. Like if I'm looking for a one for five attacks, I can sometimes run Nimble Strike. It's a card that anyone can run. You just also have to run Nimbleism, but that's potentially a one for five go again. If you don't want to run pumps like Nimbleism, you could try running one cost attacks. Like Azuri can comfortably run looking for scrap, which is Mm -hmm. a generic. So there are these cards that provide a baseline that we can use to analyze other cards. Some classes can have stuff that's better than that, maybe a cool on-hit effect, or... Conditional go again that plays into their strategy. Absolutely. I would even try and argue, because I just chose violence today, 
<laughs> like the zero for four, not necessarily are the stats on the card, but the value of the card. Because, mm -hmm. of course, I'm looking at Bolton and I see like my zero for three charge cards, which are zero for three. And then with Bolton's ability, it pushes itself to that four value for zero with no go again. Yeah. And it's interesting to see like how the classes deviate if they if they care about zero for fours or zero for threes in that similar point structure. Uh, and then other classes that care about like the three for seven in some other ver variation, you know? Right. Did LSS want this core card to have an extra benefit? Like if you look at Assassin, you have all these zero for fours with contract that have strict upside, right? But mm -hmm. Bolton actually has conditional upside where it can kind of be a zero for four if they block it, which can feel weird. Mm -hmm. Or if you charge, then it gets upside. But if you don't charge, then it doesn't. Oh, Bolton's just conditional the hero. Like, yeah. every yep. single thing about his hero is so conditional. If charged, if blocked by an attack action, if you remove a card from soul, like, it's all just if, if, if. <laughs> and it also lets you gauge how good an upside is for a class card or, like, mm -hmm. a majestic. Like, Command and Conquer is an example of a strict upgrade from another generic, but it's printed at majestic rarity, so it gets to have extra benefits, like an on-hit or... Um, not being able to, preventing your opponent from playing defense reactions against it. And it's pretty rare that LSS prints like strict upgrades like that. Mm -hmm. We saw one recently with Sensor. Sensor is also a one for five that blocks for three. That's a strict upgrade from that common. Of course, like if you're playing commoner, you don't have access to those majestics, but mm -hmm. it allows us a baseline that we can use to evaluate other cards. Man, power creep already ruining flesh and blood. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I do like that example, though, is the one for five, the, you know, zero for four with, um, like, exude confidence or snatch or something. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. how they take that same structure and add rarity alongside, like, you know, an on hit or a really, you know, good effect, like, that the opponent can interact with or something that, inter you know, necessitates that higher rarity, that limited quantity mm -hmm. per deck. And it's also like, okay, those are cards that block for three. What if my attack only blocked for two and it has a, str a slightly stronger effect? There are lots of examples, like I'd say Life for a Life is up there. It blocks mm -hmm. for two, but it's a really solid one for four attack that might gain you a life, might have go again. And that's a lot of value you can get out of a card, but it's conditional and it has a lower block value. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to the idea of generics being something that every class has access to. LSS has decided that every class can do a zero for four attack that also blocks for three. But there's other things like defense reactions. Sink Below and Fate Pristine were printed in Welcome to Wraith because they wanted these cards to be a fundamental aspect of the game, that every class can play these defense reactions that do one thing well, and that's block. These cards block for four, and that's much better than blocking for three, and a whole ton lot better than blocking for two, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that they can do it as a surprise to maybe catch attack reactions out is just really clutch, right? That's why Sync Below has seen its way into so many lists. They are a fundamental aspect of the game that LSS wants everyone to have access to. Similarly, LSS wants every class to have access to some options for attack reactions, like Razor Reflex hitting everything that, if as long as you're playing one cost or less, Pummel, two or more. I think you might be mentioning those cards a little bit later as well, Joel. But every class can play attack reactions. Every class can play defense reactions. Every class can play pump spells. Every class can shuffle cards back into their deck by using Remembrance. Yeah, these are tools that can be applied to any class, any strategy, because they are generic. Mm-hmm. And because they are generic, you want them to fit with a lot of different classes. There are certain cards that I like to associate with certain classes. Like I'd say unmo Unmovable feels mm -hmm. like a Guardian card. Like mm -hmm. That's the one where you pitch three in order to block for seven. Unless you played it from Arsenal, then it blocks for eight. That's the red Unmovable. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I forget that like I can jam that in any deck that I want. I can yeah. turn any hero into kind of a fatigue plan if I just run all of these defense reactions, including Unmovable. And it just becomes a lot harder to push damage through. Yeah, especially if you're struggling with a deck that uses a lot of attack reactions or throws massive dominated attacks at you. Mm -hmm. If you're struggling to fight off a Bravo with your hero, consider, okay, do I have slots for unmovable in my deck? Because if you do, consider running it. Mm -hmm. That I was just going to mention that too, because with the defense reaction example, like the 0 for 4, Fate for Scene, and Sink Below... 
they're so unique in the sense that even if they had no text other than you may play this in reactions, it's still be it's a still zero for four. It's still mm -hmm. really great value, but they made it so unique in that one had the opt ability and one had the ability to sync a card. That unique value is, I think, the reason why we haven't seen more of them being printed because they're so absurdly strong and they slot so easily. Like certain classes have very specific defense reactions within that class or within that talent too. So seeing cards like these, I feel like in a lot of my lists, I can just jam three sync belows mm -hmm. and my guardian matchup gets that much better because I just have this pool that I don't really have to care about if it synergizes well with the rest of my deck. It's just zero for four at the reaction speed. And some of that feels healthy, you know? Mm -hmm. The fact that LSS can print Guardian, Bravo even, on day one <laughs> in their alpha set, they printed a hero that can give Dominate to these attacks that have Brutal on hits. But it's fair because everybody has access to Sync Below. Mm -hmm. And Sync Below is a card that can counter it. And this is bleeding into what you're going to be talking about later, Clark, with hate cards. Spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. um, but it's okay for them to print these strategies that have answers. The answers already exist, and everybody has access to them. And the floor can change, right? Like, the best 1 for 5 attack was just printed recently in the form of Sensor. Like, if you want 1 for 5 attacks and you're just looking for more of them, Sensor is an option for you that wasn't available to you before. Sometimes, though, that floor can be really high, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, when you think of the best 0 for 4 attacks in the game, I can think of, like, a couple off the top of my head, and one of them is Snatch, if not the best, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, I can think of, like, Leave No Witnesses is a really good 0 for 4. Drill Shot. Yeah, some of the arrows that Ranger has, they're able to go higher than that floor that's set by Snatch, mm -hmm. but... I don't think we're going to see a better 0 for 4 attack in generic printed anytime soon because it already has such a high power floor. Yeah. And LSS doesn't want that floor to get any higher. Whereas, similarly with the defense reactions, 0 for 4 and then sink a card to the bottom to draw a new one is a really strong card. If they print any more 0 for 4s, now someone can run 9 0 for 4 defense reactions mm -hmm. instead of just 6 without having any additional class support. And... That can be really worrisome. Yeah, because generics are a really great tool to fill in the blanks with, you know, because uh, I, I think about when Icelander was first re uh, released, I think in Everfest, with no Ice Wizard cards whatsoever, mm -hmm. but she still steamrolled the Blitz meta. Not that Blitz had a meta or anything, it's just like you vomit damage, right? But they would throw things like Exude Confidence, Fire Breathing, and just a bunch of like generic attacks with the ice cards that already existed and was still farming people because the generics were still that strong and you could fill holes in a unique playstyle like that. And having too many of them is dangerous because every single class, like you said, Fuzzy, has access to six defense reactions, Sigil Solace, Healing Bomb, I think, and Sunkiss. Mm -hmm. Like that's a really good framework for any deck as long as they have additional support to fatigue people. Plus Remembrance, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anything else you add that is recursion-based, defense reaction-based, or life gain-based, it gets really, really nasty. So LSS probably has that in mind. Like, every time they want to touch the generic card pool about, is this going to create an unhealthy pile of fatigue decks or an unhealthy pile of aggro decks because of the all the 0 for 4s that are such great value? It's a delicate balance. Yeah. But it's also a very important tool to have especially when they want to print new classes in the future. Mm -hmm. We just had Assassin come out, and I kind of felt the same way. Assassin worked from the get-go. It was fun to play with. And I think part of that was because you had, like, Cash-In, which mm -hmm. is a generic, to play with the silvers that now existed. Like, mm -hmm. they get to play with the, like, money token support that mm -hmm. already existed, as well as, like, Razor Reflex was, like, pretty good in Arachne. Right, Clark? I don't know what I'm talking about. I assume Razor <laughs> Reflex is really good. <laughs> Razor Reflex is perfectly good. <laughs> is it great? Uh, but it's, it, it is good. I run it in pretty much every Arachne list I put together. And I feel like if you're planning a game plan around blocking, like Snatch fits right in with that really well as well. Because mm. it's, it's an amazing one-card hand. Yeah. In addition to those clutch defense reactions that are really nice tools to have, there's also things like destroying opponents' arsenals. 
And there's really only one card that does it. But as long as you have $80, <laughs> you too can blow up your opponent's arsenal with Command and & Conquer. And screw with their D-Reacts if they decide to put it in there. And Command & Conquer is another great example of the power floor being so high that not many cards can go above it. Like, how many decks do you know in top tables that do not run Command & Conquer? It's a very, very small list. Uh, yeah. I mean, even Dash probably wants to run some level of CNC because of the pistol package side of it. So I, I really can't see very many decks not wanting to run it. It's just such a good effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so weird because it's unhealthy for the game that every deck wants to run this generic Majestic. It mm -hmm. makes things feel kind of samey and boring. But also it's kind of healthy for the game that we can destroy opponents' arsenals. Like, it's one of the few things that keeps Lexi down. Like, you can always command and conquer against Alexi, and mm -hmm. she has to deal with it, has to give up two cards from her hand. And it's nice having at least some tools. And you'll you'll notice, too, like, how powerful additional arsenal hate is. Because you look at the only... Or two of some of the best decks into Alexi have multiple CNCs. They have CNC itself and class-specific. So Breaking Point and the Empress Dromai list, which says, I think it's a one for four, and if it's... It has rupture, rupture yeah. you you destroy all cards in Arsenal or, or a Arsenal, whatever the case may be. Uh, so Draconic has that. So Fi can use it too, essentially. And then you have Leave No Witnesses, which Assassins and... No, just Assassins can mm -hmm. use. Which is a 0 for 4 and destroys the Arsenal. That's Amazing. probably rivaling how powerful Snatch is. So you can already see like how incredibly hard it is to not power creep things but also wanting to you know, give uh, specific tools to deal with the meta to different heroes. And we haven't even talked about equipment yet, right? Like Snapdragon Scalers is so clutch in so many different lists. Because mm -hmm. mm. what it does is not that specific, as long as you play a one or less cost card, which most classes are doing, mm -hmm. with some very notable exceptions. But lots of classes have these one cost attacks, and it's really easy to find a way to use Snapdragon Scalers to get more value out of them. Because cheap cards going together is really nice. Snatch into Snatch is <laughs> <laughs> a game. It's such a good game plan. You can run it in lots of different classes. And um, Crown of Providence, Providence, one of the best things about it is it stops your opponent's generic command and conquer yeah. from blowing up your arsenal at once. You know, so you find these like very powerful generic cards that take up a big space in the metagame. Yeah, not to mention, I think, the premier, the most expensive card in this game, Find All. Mm. Oh, yeah, Find All Spring, Spring Tunic, Tunic yep. is both the most expensive card in the game and a generic. It's run in a lot of decks, but also some decks don't even bother with it because they find a better option for the chess slot. Mm. But you should still have one because you never know when you want to pick up a hero who will want that extra one mana to yeah. make a turn work. There are lots of ways you can make one extra resource really helpful. Yep, mm -hmm. that's why it's one of like one of the three great investments you can make in Flesh and Blood: mm -hmm. Command and Conquer, Vandal Spring Tunic, and it used to be Arcanine Skullcap, but I think now it's like Crown, Crown of Providence. Providence. Yeah, for sure. Even though it was uh, reprinted in Dust Till Dawn, so now it's pretty cheap from yeah. what I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a diff in part of my draft for coming up with this script. I came up with a couple cards that. <laughs> I think could be shifted around either into generic or out of generic really well. The first one I want to bring up is Earthlore Surge. Earthlore Surge, red, costs two resources and pumps something for five. And that's an effect that is actually unique. Like, mm -hmm. it is an earth card, so only Briar and Oldham could run it. And even then, it's not even really in the game anymore. Mm -hmm. But, like, we had Slogism, which costs three and buffs for six with a conditional, and Nimbleism, which costs zero and buffs for three with a slight condition. And two for five is a very fair rate. It's on curve based on nimbleism and slogism. Like if you like yeah, ratio it out, but it doesn't exist. Like if you were looking for a two cost pump, like pummel's the closest thing that we have. And even then you need to run two cost attacks to do that. Mm -hmm. Like if you're trying, like it works really well with say like snatch these or leave no witnesses, yeah. like these cheap but clutch on hits. But it's not something that we see in generic. But it totally could, right? I think it's something that eventually we will see, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that example because you look at in Briar's, uh, whatchamacallit, card pool anyways, you see Bramble Spark, mm -hmm. which is the zero for three, which is like 
hand in hand with nimbleism, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have Earthlord Surge, but it doesn't have a generic counterpart, which I thought was interesting. And I, I'm uh, glad you brought that up because uh, we could definitely see like a one for four or five or a two for six. Oh, wait, no. It'd be one for four, two for five. That's what it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like those things should almost be at the generic rate and they just aren't yet, right? Right. So it's, I don't know, it's nice. I like to know that there is still a little bit of room for LSS to print some of those to make sure that like we're printing them in limited formats where they feel nice rather than just, oh, hey, we need to tick this box. Let's go get it ticked next set. Yeah. Like they're sort of waiting for the moment that they're releasing a limited set where they oh want a generic two cost plus five pump. I'd be so hype. I love sweet. feeling on my curve with pumps that cost resources, <laughs> like in draft. So if they were to release a two for five pump, like what's the condition on there? Like does it have to cost a certain mm. amount? Because slogism already does that. So I'm curious to see how they hedge around the design. And Nimbleism maybe, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So maybe they, if you've already played an attack action card. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be played on a second attack action card, implying that you need bigger hands. Yeah, and I'm excited to see that design space. Or they could go the come to fight tactic, which mm-hmm. is where they could be a three for five that also blocks for three. That would supposedly be fair. Mm-hmm. The blue would be a three for three that blocks for three. Mm-hmm. Or they could do the force sight tactic where they give it a little extra gravy, maybe oh, with a condition, yeah. but still make it a little overcosted. So it'd be three for five where you get to opt one, or three for five if you've already dealt damage to your opponent this turn, then get a ponder token, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Turn their arsenal face up. Oh. Sure. Some, some like, minor... Really, quirk. really, yeah. really small. Not quite, like, even a, quote-unquote, one full value. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of information gameplay. Yeah, because also any little deviation from the regular design is still interesting mm-hmm. uh, yeah. from a brewer's point of view. Because it's like, okay. Maybe with contract. Let let, <laughs> let Arachne look at the top of the opponent's deck by playing maybe. a pump. In, but this is generic land, Clark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So I think with that, I've got to said all everything I want to say. I'm going to hand it off to Joel. What do you got for us? So my section is sort of filling out archetypes uh, through the generic pool. I've already mentioned it a little bit with like Icelander. She was sort of forced to take on all these generics because there were no elemental wizard cards that were printed alongside her mm-hmm. within uh, Everfest. So she had to improvise, right? And she found really great use with like fire breathing, E-Strike, and... Uh, exude confidence so with that being said i kind of want to flip the script a little bit and talk about some cards that are class specific but would be better at filling out the archetypes of other classes yeah and to start off uh spill blood is probably one of the biggest misses i i feel so it came out in monarch with hatchets being like the premier axe Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. ravenous meat axe was printed in the same set Right, right. But because it's Warrior, that you can't use Ravenous Meat Axe with Spill Blood. What? You're telling me they printed an Axe and Axe support card, but you can't even play them together from Ex- the same set? Exactly. <laughs> so my thinking was, like, it would make so much more sense, like, if the weapon-centric buffs, other than, like, maybe swords to keep it specific to Warriors, would be generic. Mm-hmm. Because if you also look at, for instance, like, these unique weapon types like flails for instance Leviah has a flail and Vincent now has a flail but those don't synergize with anything wait 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 wait. so you're telling me that axes don't really have support that Leviah can play and flails don't have support that Leviah can play are you just complaining about Leviah's card <laughs> oh like my no I, pro- I, <laughs> I promise on everything including my mother I'm not <laughs> I'm just saying like if Hexagore was a club right then you could pummel it sure which mm-hmm. Maybe if the system around weapon buffs was different, like you'd see more classes with axes or clubs or hammers or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. And that way not silo the design or maybe not miss out on these synergies, right? Mm -hmm. Because Brew already plays a a lot of non-attacks that buff attacks. So in my mind, Spill Blood could have been very easily slotted. And off of one blue, you pay for Spill Blood and you pay for Ravenous for like, Seven dominate, let's say. Yeah, I think it's it does kind of suck because it would be really cool if every single hero 
had the ability to use the generic card pool to run this like weapon centric version of them. Yeah. And it's probably going to be subpar because they're not going to have a lot of their own class special stuff or like, sorry, fuzzy with a Leviah Hexagore, you need to have six blood debt so that you're not taking damage when you swing with Hexagore. Sure. Yeah. So like, you're still going to want to run some stuff, but it'd be cool if like you could make weapons a bigger part of your game plan for any and every hero. and But constantly siloing these synergistic weapon cards to specific classes. Spillblood just being the most obvious one. But, like, I'm sure there's others with daggers probably involved. Sure. That, like, like why can't warriors throw their daggers at stuff? Yeah, Because the stuff that lets you throw daggers is only a ninja assassin. And there's even a more simple example. So Sharpened Steel says your next weapon attack gets plus three. Mm-hmm. That's a freaking generic, but it's warrior, it, right? Yeah, like it or it should be generic because then it literally lets you buff any weapon attack. Like if you feel like playing into that, and it's a three block, so mm-hmm. you know it's. I feel like that would have fit the bill perfectly. Yeah. I feel that generic could probably want to have it like it be a two block. Yeah, I think like generics like almost rarely get to be three blocks. There's only a handful that are not majestic. Mm-hmm. There's really only a handful of majestic ones too. Yeah, they really don't like generics being the do-everything card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I totally agree with what you're saying, Joel. I think, like, more weapon support would be really cool. And we got that from the get-go, right? Welcome to Wrath, which is, like, their thesis for the game, mm-hmm. had attack reactions that buff specific weapons, make you feel like you're cool for running those weapons. But then we didn't see any of that for years. But maybe we'll see more of it in the future. Unless you think they've made a specific decision to stop doing it, which I don't think they have i could see them doing that too because if i mean with axes specifically they haven't even explored that space other than give new weapons and a few like pumps with axes specifically there's literally only three cards yeah it's you know so why not open that up to more classes and create more unique axes in other classes like ravenous meat axe is very interesting because of the draw discard effect yeah so not siloing axes in those two design spaces and letting other classes be able to use them if it makes sense, right? Because you don't want to see a ranger using an axe. But maybe, I don't know, Brute gets another axe that replaces Manable Claws. Or... Runeblade would be re- really interesting, like a Runeblade axe. Yeah, because they already have scythes, right? And there's no mm-hmm. synergy with scythes Most at of their all. weapons are two-handed. Right. Yeah. No, it's totally... I think it's totally there. I would say that there is a slight issue that LSS probably went for, especially with Spillblood. They want warriors to have the weapon-centric game plan. Mm. I don't think they want any class to be able to dip into it. Mm. I think it would be great if every class could dip into it and they gave warriors something else. Like dominate or on hits and stuff. Sure, though I have a feeling that that might... Again, why, why wouldn't we want that to be able to be applied to any weapon? You'd but, have to find something else for warriors to do special then. Yeah. Like right now, like warriors design space is weapons. Like you go, you sit across the table from, you know, Brute or Levia and Levia has this like accented game plan. You're like, hold up, hold up. That was my <laughs> special thing. Why did <laughs> yeah. you take my special thing? That's true. Yeah. yeah. They would need to give warriors something else. But I think as the game grows, as they explore more spaces, I think they totally could do that. And I think it would actually create for more healthier brews. Right, because I'm not going to go into why I think Brute is so freaking cool. Because <laughs> I could. But I definitely see how there's a better, better argument for keeping Warrior to be the weapon-centric and you know lock these design spaces to Warrior. But I'm just saying, like it's an interesting synergy that they chose to keep to one specific class. Continuing with the filling out the archetype train, you can kind of see this in the way that they add... Uh, cards for the let's say cheerios line of play or the two costs like you're either a pummel deck or you're a razor reflex deck right like you care about these cheap costed go again attacks with maybe some on hits but mostly you want to add to your aggression how dare you imply that i can't run both (laughs) (laughs) i want to run razor reflex and pummel and you cannot (laughs) stop me they're my favorite cards i want them in every deck (laughs) and this group of cards these cheerios are two cost synergistic cards is really great because when new heroes are released and they're kind of limited to whatever set they come came out of because ideally they introduced a new mechanic to this class or talent or whatever but they're still able to grab from 
nimbleism, razor reflex, pummel, or whatever other two cost centric cards there are. Absolutely. Like, like for instance, Vincent, she wasn't great out the gate. Like she's kind of contending with chain and his design space and can't use everything to its full efficiency, but she can throw a pummel on everything and it's mm-hmm. annoying, but that's a way to hedge against a hero being bad is they have this card pull to pull from so that they have either relevant on hits or enhanced aggression with like snatch or scar for a scar. Yeah. The last time that the pummel salesman came by the podcast, <laughs> he talked all about how like any single time you see an attack with two cost, you should be thinking, can I run pummel in this deck? Can mm-hmm. I run pummel with this hero? It's kind of the same way when you see a hero with a very low curve, a lot of zeros and ones, you're thinking, can I make raids a reflex work? Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of a signpost to always return to and go, oh, can these cards be good? Can I run it in this? Mm-hmm. And because it's available to every single hero, you can do that every single time. Right, because not only do you have access to Pummel, you also have access to Fiendal Spring Tunic to make mm-hmm. that blue into a two-cost into a Pummel with the Tunic resource. Just just such a clean design. It's going to be available to anybody who can you know run two-cost reliably. And worth it if you can pull it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it's still a three-card hand, so you still feel like you're having to take a small hit in tempo to make it work. Sure. I believe in the flesh and blood resource cost binary. Some <laughs> decks are pummel decks, some <laughs> decks are razor reflex. Wait, I thought you were all about running both fuzzy. <laughs> I can't make both jokes. It's free country. <laughs> it's my yeah, podcast too, okay? <laughs> I'll make both jokes if I want to make both jokes. <laughs> so some other ways that these generic designs can help with new heroes is how they interact with the top of the deck or the arsenal, right? We already talked about how powerful CNC is, and we've already mentioned two decks that have multiple CNCs, like basically six copies of it, being Assassin and the Draconic classes with Breaking Point and Leave No Witnesses. But we haven't really seen that with top of the deck other than Arachne. Yeah, because all of those synergies were based around, well, not the arsenal destruction, but all the top of the deck stuff was all based around Arcane Rising and the top of the deck synergy because all of those heroes played with the top of the deck in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Two of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, they Both. were going to put Arachne in there. Sure, yeah. And so Arachne oh, was also, yeah. like, he was originally, sl- sorry, they were originally slated for that set so that they could mess with that playing with the top of the deck mm-hmm. that those heroes were doing. I can't remember if they said that Azalea got put in early. I can't remember. So originally... I know that they said that they had Arachne slated for much, much earlier. Which is so interesting. Specifically in the set with Kano. Yeah. Where it was all about the top of the deck. So maybe they did put in Azalea too early because she was bad for a while and then got really good in Outsiders. I think that might have been it. Maybe that was it. But that that's interesting to hear because not a lot of the cards that interact with the top of your deck synergize well with Arachne's design. Mm-hmm. Arachne cares about the other or the opponent's top of deck and not yeah. so much his own. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. I think it's it's really cool. I think the Arsenal is also very similar, right? Every single hero is going to interact with their arsenal. Like every single player is going to interact with the arsenal. Mm-hmm. So whenever you build things with arsenal synergies like premeditate, plunder run, smashing good time technically also sort of mm-hmm. works with the arsenal. Mm-hmm. Similar to plunder run. Yeah. Yeah. And in all of these ways, you are having to play around the arsenal. So things that destroy the arsenal, that put the arsenal on the bottom of the deck. These are just always going to be fairly decent cards that are good to run. And so printing them at generic is not a bad idea at all because it's it's always going to have some value for being able to disrupt these heroes. Right, and that that's also why I wanted to bring it up because there's so few ways in a hero's uh, card pool to interact with Arsenal like without attacking it, right? Like there's no, or there's very few cards that say, okay, destroy your arsenal or put your arsenal on the bottom unless I'm hitting you, right? So giving players access to cards that let you deal with things that are normally not that easy to interact with is important. Like allies, I think of a similar train of thought. Mm -hmm. Like 
a slew of allies is a very polarizing matchup. Like, Dromite is a menace to a lot of decks because they can't clear allies faster than they can play attack actions, especially the ones that care about these big attacks, like maybe once per turn with on hits, but the on hits don't matter against the allies because they have limited health and you don't get action points for killing allies, you know? Yeah. So it's. And I think the main reason why LSS has been okay with that so far is because so many of these allies have Phantasm on them, mm -hmm. and there's plenty of generic six-power cards. Yep. So they don't need to worry about being like, oh, hey, we're going to make the new Assassin class. Oh, man, we need to make sure the Assassin class has all these six-power cards, otherwise they're going to have a horrible Illusionist matchup. And it's like, no, there's plenty of generic sixes that they can run if they want to. Mm -hmm. we, don't, we don't need to print that every single time or have the or have their fan bases just complain at us constantly because it's over here in generic if you want it there it is go get it that's so true because it feels like every set they've printed a generic six with like some relevant on hit like cut yep. down to size uh humble not destructive deliberation that's re five. wreak havoc Those yeah are the same yeah. set though are they really Those yeah are all three oh outsiders. my word uh, okay, what about... Um, well, also, but it, it really put the card pool out there, right? Yeah. Like, they don't have mm -hmm. to print one every set. There's a whole bunch of them that are good in Outsiders mm -hmm. that you can work with. Mm -hmm. On top of the old ones, Erase Face. Down and Dirty. Down and That's Dirty. That's what it is. Also yeah. Outsiders. Damn it. <laughs> Command and Conquer is still a six-power card that can pop Phantasm and is mm -hmm. generic. If you're already running it because you're destroying Arsenal, then you're also already running it to help deal with Phantasm. Yeah. True. So... They're doing a pretty great job of... I think that's why they're okay not printing as much ally hate as as we may think of it. Um, but it can certainly get there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess that it just leans into variance as to how many dragons you have to deal with at once. But a critical mass of poppers or six power attacks should be enough mm -hmm. to hedge against that matchup. Uh, I also... So I've already kind of touched on it a little bit, but... Some of these generics can be really abused if we're not careful. Like Snatch, I think, is one of the most abused generics that I can think of other than like mm -hmm. defense reactions, right? Because it's not just a zero for four. It's a zero for whatever card you draw plus the four damage that you're doing. Right. And if that card, God forbid, gets go again... <laughs> Or but Joel, Snatch doesn't have go again. It simply <laughs> ends the turn. Oh no, I have to arsenal the card I just drew. <laughs> Joel, you can always just block it with one of the zero for four defense reactions. <laughs> Joel, this card isn't that good. I <laughs> oh, man, wish I that were the you? case. A little bit. <laughs> I like, just meant to use a funny voice. I'm so sorry. Because I, I think about like Ninja, right? Mm -hmm. And then how they pretty much every card in their deck is on hits to, and it builds up to draw a card with mask momentum so giving them access to that card like i think they can use it better than other decks mm -hmm. but it doesn't make sense to ban it specifically for them because we've already seen mm -hmm. a lot of generics banned for that same reason so that's just something i'm afraid of whenever they print these sweet ass generics and i'm glad yeah. that not a lot of them have taken as much popularity as snatch the D-Reacts or Command and Conquer. It really has. is that question of should generics ever be best in slot? Like, should the best defense reaction be Sink Below mm -hmm. that everyone has access to? Should the best Arsenal Destruction be Command and Conquer? Should it be generic? I think no. I don't think generic cards should be best in slot ever. Mm -hmm. I think they should always be just a step down that allows people to have access to something that has that effect but isn't the best and i guess you could argue snatch isn't the best it only blocks for two it doesn't have go again uh but it ends up being best in slot for this one card breakpoint attack that has an incredible effect mm -hmm. i'm not gonna i have a counterpoint mm -hmm. and that's just that if you look at these cards that are in every list these generics that are best in slot quote unquote I think of like Command and Conquer and Sync Below and Snatch. And Command and Conquer and Sync Below, I think 
are actually pretty healthy for the game, just the fact that they exist. I don't think it's healthy that Command & Conquer costs $80. I think that sucks and makes it really hard to approach the game for newer players. But like the fact that Sync Below is in the game and is an answer to so many good things, this game would be so much harder, so much better for aggro players mm -hmm. if we didn't have Sync Below True. in these decks. Like they might as well print a zero for four for every class because that's how important they are to the game and maintaining tempo like or just stopping your opponent from hitting, right? That's why these breakpoints are so good. Like, if my cards don't block for four, Snatch gets even better. <laughs> Leave No Witnesses gets even better. Anything yeah. that swings for four. Being able to block for four is so important to the game. Being able to interact with Arsenal is so important for the game. Adding a little bit of risk there. Being able to stop defense reactions for a single turn is important. So, Snatch can go away, and I think that might be more healthy for the game. <laughs> but these other best-in slots, I think, are really important in practice. In theory, I think it is kind of weird that, like, the best cards in the game are generic, and so everyone runs them. I get that. But I don't want these ones to be banned. I don't want to go back and consider these ones a mistake, you know? Mm -hmm. That's true. And I am kind of looking at it like classes do get the you know def zero for four defense reactions in their own unique way mm -hmm. so having some redundancy isn't the worst thing in the world it's just when it gets to a critical mass of like 12d reacts a bunch of life gain and you know rem remembrance to like rinse and repeat it, it gets a little scary yeah well we've already hinted at it quite a bit throughout our first two sections but clark i think you have a really good philosophy on what hate cards are and their purpose would you like to get into it now so for blue pitch I wanted to talk about hate cards, and if this episode seems weird at all, that's my fault, because I just really, really wanted to talk about hate cards and whether they should be generic and let every hero have access to them, or if they should be class-specific and only certain heroes should have access to them, because we see both. So let's talk about that. First, what is a hate card? So when I talk about a hate card, I mean a card that hates on a very specific strategy. So this is a thing that says destroy target ally, steal an item. This is what else? It would be like destroy all cards in arsenal, right? These yeah. are things that disproportionately hurt certain heroes and their game plans. And that's their purpose, right? Yes. Like cards that are intentionally designed to be used against specific heroes or specific game plans. Yeah. You can see that it just shuts down very certain strategies. If there was one that said you can't use any attack reactions, Azuri is like quaking in her boots now, <laughs> right? This, th that's what we mean when we talk about hate cards. It disproportionately hurts certain heroes and their strategies. One other card that doesn't quite fit the definition you gave, but I feel like would deserve to get put on the list is like cards like Sensor, where you name a specific card and that card can be different depending on the matchup. You might run Sensor for a lot of different reasons, but you could say, don't play that card, and you're picking something specific to deny your opponent. I feel like that can also be classified as a hate card too. It definitely could be. Um, for the sake of this conversation, it doesn't fit because Sensor doesn't hate on any one specific thing. It hates on everything equally. Sensor's just a hater. <laughs> so I think that the main question here is like, should hate cards be generic or should they be based in a class? And I think we see this, it, it's very relevant right now because a card just came out, Smashing Performance. It is a yellow three cost card with six attack and it has no block value. When you cast it, draw a card, then discard a card at random. If the discarded card has six or more power, destroy a random item in the arena. Could be yours, could be your opponent's. Now, this is the second brute card, brute-specific card that destroys items. So, with Bright Lights coming out, if you're a brute, hell yeah, brother! We are set up to own this meta. If Mechanologists ever become big, brute should be a silver bullet. Because we have not just Smashing Performance, we also have Arg Smash. We mm -hmm. now have two cards that can destroy their items. Is that good? Should Brute be a silver bullet against Mechanologists purely because they can run these cards? That's a good question. Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up because I also think it's uh, a pretty interesting decision uh, flavor-wise. You know, mm -hmm. Brutes are this, like, 
theoretically dumb and savage race, you know? So they just want to smash the shiny items, right? I think Brute doesn't even have that good or bad of a matchup into Mechanologist, so randomness as it is, uh, is pretty balanced compared to targeted hate against other decks. Yeah, I, I still think it's big. If you want to even look at maybe another example, it's why do Runeblade get so many tools against Illusionists? We have Diabolic, Ultimatum, and Runic Reclamation to destroy auras. Mm. But there are also hate cards that are generic. We see Hack to Reality being this new card that's been printed to help hate on auras. It's a yellow one cost that pumps for two, and when the next attack hits, you get to destroy an aura of cost equal to or less than the damage dealt. Right? So now there is a generic card that hates on auras. So now everyone can deal with Illusionist. Hmm. Is that good? Should If, like, Prism becomes the new best card in the meta, or, like, Dromai, are they just going to be pissed off because it's like, oh my god, everyone's just running hack to reality. See, and this might be my cope or my trauma coming up, mm -hmm. but I think dealing with Spectra in a way that doesn't end your turn... Is also kind of healthy. Yeah. Because yes. that, that's a, a mistake they've been reeling from ever since Prism came out. It's like, wow, this is really broken. It's almost like ending your turn and letting them set up another aura while you use your action point is not healthy for the game. So adding new ways like this that takes away the agency from the illusionist player to just like overwhelm you with their superior board presence is fine. Yeah. So it... So far, I feel like it has been okay. A lot of the choices that they made have been okay. But I think it's still important to note. Like, with hate, they're kind of doing a bit of both. Like, letting the best hate cards be generic that everyone has access to. I mean, I, we've been dancing around it for this entire pitch so far. Warmonger's Diplomacy. Mm. Fuck Runeblade, the card. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's... So annoying that Warmonger's Diplomacy became a good card in a Lexi meta that doesn't even affect Lexi all that much, but screws me over as this Viscerai player screwing around in A tier. Mm. Like, I get screwed over because Lexi is strong, but it doesn't really hit Lexi great, but it completely shuts me down. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was reading the release notes for Dusk Till Dawn. And I was, like, reading the Warmonger's Diplomacy section, and it literally said, fuck Clark Moore, like, right there. Like, <laughs> Dang, and Bull, too? Yeah, Bolt specifically and us. <laughs> a tier, though? This right is A tier. <laughs> no. He's the gatekeeper. In what, what world? <laughs> no, this right is B tier. That's pretty generous, too. Sure. Like, I remember reading tier lists after Dusk Till Dawn. And they put Viscerai, like, at B tier. I'm like, okay, sure. And they put Briar as B tier, but under Viscerai. I was like, what? <laughs> My hero. <laughs> Worse than Viscerai? Eye roll. Um, anyhow, like, I think it's... I think it's really notable that, like... God, I've listened to so many podcasts with Brian Gottlieb in it as he talks about this card because every single competitive podcast has had him on has brought up this card. And he says, we think that eventually the meta will reach a place where the demand for the card will go down and it will no longer be this extremely high-costed generic card. It isn't the new Command and Conquer. Mm -hmm. But I still think it's very frustrating to have a silver bullet floating around that shuts down a deck so entirely. For sure. Because Command and Conquer doesn't quite shut down Lexi entirely. Mm-hmm. But Warmonger's Diplomacy does completely shut down Runeblade, right? Kind well, of, yeah. You it, can still play, like, attacks, but you won't be able to use your hero ability in Viscerai at all. I won't be able to get Environment of Lightning if I'm playing Briar, which nobody really does anymore. <laughs> I see what you're saying, Clark. It, it also, Viscerai aside, it also pretty much stops Azalea in her tracks as well. Yeah, Azalea which, was, like, rising up in the meta, mm -hmm. and then out of nowhere, Warmonger's Diplomacy, and Azalea is just unplayable. Yeah. Because, like, it's also a really good counter to Dromai. It doesn't stop her from creating new dragons, but she can't swing with her new dragons that were created. So it affects a lot of decks really interestingly, but there are a couple decks that just cannot play around it, being Azalea and Viscerai, or other Runeblades, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels... 
weird. Like, should this card exist? And I, I love the question you're posing here, Clark. Is it healthy? Does it feel like good for the game? And there are certain, and you've posed it like, if it's generic, is it good? But it also kind of depends, right? I feel mm -hmm. like classes can have really specialized bullets that work well, but in generic, it should probably be like conditional and or interactable. And I mm -hmm. think hacked reality is a really good example of that. Yes. It's interactable. If I don't want my aura to die, I guess I block out here. And it sucks that I have to block, but I still get to keep some cards in my hand, allegedly. Warmonger's Diplomacy doesn't have the option of ignoring it, no matter what you do. The best you can do is, okay, if I only use half my hand, or maybe a quarter of my hand, what am I still able to do? And maybe that's Runeblades having to adjust their game plan a little bit to have more like natural go-again attacks. Like, E-Strike is really good against Warmonger's Diplomacy, because you can just sync whatever card you can't use anymore, and then yeah. give E-Strike go again, and then swing with your weapon. Like, that becomes kind of your floor. Yeah, because you look at that and you're like, okay, I can at least still play the game. And there are people like Bolton who, because Isolander exists, cannot play the game. Because not only am I card negative every turn, but I'm having to deal with a Frostbite every turn. Mm -hmm. God forbid, Aether Icebane with uh, Insidious mm -hmm. Chill or Channeling Frigid. So there are worse things. I'm not trying to say, like, get good or anything, but... No, it's, like, totally a point. I think that hate cards should promote interactability, mm -hmm. and certain hate cards don't. Yeah. Hack to Reality is a great design because there is interactability. I would even say Command and Conquer is very interactable because you can block it mm -hmm. if you really want to keep your card in Arsenal. Mm -hmm. There are decisions to be made. I think they when they look at Warmonger's Diplomacy, they go, oh, look, you can make a choice. But if it's a lose-lose choice... Mm -hmm. Is it really? And it also, like, how bad does that lose-lose feel? Yeah. Sometimes you can be very intentional and say, I think this is going to benefit me in the long run. But sometimes it's just like, oh, how badly do I want to get fucked over? I do also want to note that there are some hate cards that aren't at Majestic. Most of the cards I've mentioned so far are Majestic. But they can print them at more common levels, and I think... The most notable one here is Smashing Good Time. Mm. Smashing Good Time is an item hate card that can be run in Rainbow. Is that healthy for the game? So that's a very interesting example because not only does A give the other or the opponent more decisions because there's blockable. A, it's blockable, right? And it's it has a buff, but only if it's played from Arsenal. Mm -hmm. So it's usually not able to be slammed the turn they draw it. They'll have to maybe finish the rest of their turn, arsenal it, and then let you know. Let's say they the opponent plays more items, smashing good time. Like you could still play, get the buff, and then you still have to land and attack, assuming like you don't have any dominate or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely more points in playing this card where the opponent has agency over how you interact with our items still. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if people would play it at more than three reds, maybe blues. Great point. Would people even run nine of a hate card? I feel like you would if it's really important. Like if Dash's entire game plan ends up revolt Dash IO or whatever, if a new potential hero existed that their entire game plan revolved around one item, then I could see you running like smashing good time. I could even see like Kano OTK decks, like if that becomes a thing, being able to destroy their items before they can OTK. This mm. is some random hypothetical. These decks don't actually exist. But if like any hero was like, when I get three E-pots, I win. It's like, okay, I need to destroy your E-pot, you know? Mm -hmm. I definitely see that happening because there's already combo decks that rely on items to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. So now I want to move on. I want to talk about what classes should get what hate cards and should those cards be printed at generic. Mm. And I have a suggestion. Okay. I think Rangers should get something that destroys allies. Sure. I disagree. Well, Fuck I think Ranger. that would be really in flavor though. Like shooting an arrow, like Rangers, like what? They hunt birds, right? <laughs> 
that's kind of like killing dragons, like rangers <laughs> shooting at like animals and shit. Like that sounds so on flavor, so on point. Like taking out mm-hmm. allies, like oh, you brought some footmen, foot soldiers with you. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna take them out and then I'm gonna come for you next because I'm a ranger. Like yeah. that makes so much sense to me. <laughs> I think it's also just because rangers need their so many of their attacks to be arrow attacks. Yeah, there's only one arrow that is a popper right now. So like they are either hurting their own game plan by bringing in the sideboard plan. The the only ranger that has a good matchup into Dromai and allies right now is Lexi because Lexi just gets free fucking go again. Yeah, I feel like Lexi isn't a good barometer for what rangers should be able to do. I yeah. feel like she can already do so much more just because she can have two extra go-agains on her arrows and that just like blows everything out of the water. It's mm-hmm. like, it's so crazy. It changes the math entirely. I think like Riptide and Azalea are better metrics for like what a normal ranger looks like. Sure. And both of them struggle dramatically with the Dromai matchup. Both of them suck into Dromai. Yeah. So I think they would, they like if any class deserves a hate card for a specific other class, for a specific other strategy, I would say Ranger into Illusionist. That makes a lot of sense to me. And my initial bias was giving Lexi too many tools, but hopefully when she LLs in like two days or whatever. uh, And Ranger will go back to sucking again. Exactly. (laughs) And then we can give them support because they need it. They deserve it. I also think there should be generic hate for Wizards. Okay. Mm, Like Oasis Respite? Oasis Respite is definitely there because it is just a nice big thing that prevents arcane damage. But I think there needs to be something more, something that just stops somebody from playing on your turn that they could still react to, right? Kind of like Heart of Ice, but or, generic. Or Exude Confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them shut down the ability, for instance, for a little bit. Mm. I think that those cards should... I think we should definitely see another one printed to just sort of shut down Wizards. I know a lot of Kano players are probably upset at me at saying that because Kano has like always been this boogeyman who's never really been the boogeyman. It's mm. always like, you got to be careful about Kano. Watch out for Kano, guys. He's at 200 living leverage points. <laughs> if that. If that. Yeah, like, he's yeah. not even that big of a boogeyman, but... He's in Blitz. <laughs> in Blitz, yeah. So a few things with that, because Kano is a very skill-expressed hero... The ones that are local to us, like the, there's a few that come to mind, mm-hmm. are I, I don't want to play against them. I They know the math. That's all I care about. You got the win, buddy. That's it for me, you know? But I also agree with you because it's like if you give Wizard any legroom, they're going to run away with it because Arcaners are Because they can play at instant speed and that makes everything that they do already that Well, much not only that, because you have to run multiple AB, which is like really uh, straining on your sideboard plan, especially if Wizard's not very big at the time. Mm-hmm. And... Like, the arcane sources can go from three up, which is really tough to prevent. And, yeah, like, the, like the fact that you can do it at instant speed right before you drop and leak in all this freaking damage or kill you mm-hmm. is inherently toxic. But shutting this, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, strategy down completely is also pretty toxic. Like, Exude Confidence is a pretty good start. It doesn't have go against. It's usually a chain ender or, like, that's your only attack per turn if, unless you can give it go again. Uh, Oasis Respite is like a Kano's worst nightmare. That's why they run, uh, I think it's Imperial something or other. But Edict. Edict, yeah. Uh, Specifically on the turn that they want to combo off. Exactly. They can name Oasis Respite, prevent you from playing it, and therefore play around it in that way. Exactly. And the fact that they have to run that boo-boo-ass item <laughs> to survive Oasis Respite kind of speaks to how dire their position is in the meta. But I... I'm saying that because I agree with you, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I think that it just should be there. I think it would also help LSS feel a little bit freer to give Wizards some more tools. Oh, that's because a Because really they point. are very afraid of it. Look, just print a silver bullet for Wizards. Maybe not as strong as, like, Warmonger's Diplomacy is. Yeah. But by printing some silver bullet, something to just, like, target and shut down Wizards, you can actually take those ankle weights off. Give Wizard a little bit more tools. I feel like uh, Oasis Respite was kind of designed to be that. I have one more idea that I thought of while I was letting you guys go, which is Assassin. I think, uh, mainly just because Arachne has such a hard time into seemingly everybody, (laughs) I'd love to see some 
contract cards that let him kill an ally mm. or destroy an ally or something like that. Something that lets him destroy auras, something that lets him take care of afflictions. I don't know. Like, but I think that that would be somewhat interesting is interesting on hits or interesting attack reactions that have hate elements to it. Yeah. You as keep, something that you can give to assassins. You can even call it like bribe the witness and like interact specifically with allies. Like you can pay a silver to kill an ally or something. Because mm-hmm. the silver, like you're generating over the course of the game with on hits, which is still a hard part of the matchup, like landing on hits onto Dromai, for instance. Yeah. Clark, thank you for sharing some of your thoughts about hate cards. I loved that conversation. I think it's something that's really poignant, especially going into this next set. Let's move on to our arsenal zone. Our arsenal zone is where we shout out a card each that we've been thinking about lately. Maybe it's one that we like. Maybe one that we hate. <laughs> and Joel, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. So uh, this card was like jumping around in my mind as we were talking about uh, generics and defense reactions and rarities and whatnot. Uh, and it, it, I was thinking mostly about that all you got. Because I fucking hate that card. What? <laughs> I, I don't like defense reactions that block for three. Like, all the traps, I get that they're useful. They have, like... On effects. Effects, yeah, on defense effects. But they piss me off. I like the zero for four design. You know, things like Reckless Fling or Expendable Limbs, they have, like, the additional cost. That's fine. I would have rather have that on that all you got than it have it block for three, pitch for yellow, and have a lame effect that doesn't even trigger half the time. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Like, it's good against specific matchups, but yeah. I feel like there's so many classes with really good attack reactions. I feel like everyone and their mother's running Artivore. So this is, like, never blocking, right? Like, you might draw a card, but you're still chipping damage. I don't know. It just makes me mad that it blocks for three. It'd be so cool as, like, red four, you know? Or if it was rare, then it could go red four, yellow three, and then blue two. Anyway, shout out to that all you got. <laughs> the art is cool, though. I will say the art and the flavor text that is really That all you dope. got, bitch? <laughs> so for my card today, I have chosen Phantasmaclasm. Oh, Phantasma, your clasm. Thanks. It's a uh, three-cost... Nine attack card. Nine? Nine. And when you look at the defending hero's hand, you get to just be like, hey, you see that card there? That card in your hand? Put it on the bottom, bitch. <laughs> then they get to draw a card. I don't think it says that on text, does it? It says popper be gone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just look right there. It says, bitch. <laughs> My mistake. Uh, it does have phantasm, which means it can get popped. But hey, guess what, baby? You just got rid of their popper. <laughs> sure, they may have drawn another one, but we're not worrying about that. <laughs> yes. And I think that's a very strong effect. It also, I'm going to mention once again, lets you look at the opponent's hand. It's, it's going to happen one of these days. We're going to get the critical mass of cards that look, look at the opponent's hand. Clark loves looking at people's hands. I love... Okay, I don't want to say it like that. Okay, hold on, hold on. Stay away from my hand, bro. I like... Knowing what the opponent is going to do so that I can stop them from doing it. That's what I like. Anyway, that's my card. It's also, God, all these like generic illusion names are like, how many times can we work Phantasm into the name of a card? For real. Or Mirage. All right. Anyway, that's uh, that's my card. Fuzzy, what do you got for us? All right. I've got a stinker for you, boys. Oh, baby. <laughs> Fuzzy plays Briar for eight months. Briar hits Living Legend. Fuzzy, in search of a new hero. Dusk Till Dawn just came out. Let's check out Bolton. People say it's bad. (laughs) So Bolton just got a bunch of new support, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right? Tell me. Let's look at these Bolton cards. Let's see what Bolton got. (laughs) Okay, so all of the cards like Beaming Blade is like, you have to have put a yellow card into your soul. Not only just have to put a card into your soul, it has to be yellow. Briar Bologna is like, okay, it lets you charge off the top of your deck if you reveal a yellow card. So, yeah. like, you have to run a bunch of these yellows. What do some of these yellows do? I have Light the Way. It's a common. <laughs> I love Light the Way. It co- so, it costs 
zero. The red one swings for three. I have the yellow here. We want to run yellows, right? Let's run this yellow light the way. <laughs> it's a zero for two. As an additional cost to play, you may charge your hero's soul. And when this hits, not if, but when, <laughs> if a yellow card was charged this way, this gets go again. So this can have go again under two conditions. <laughs> First, you had to charge a yellow card, not just this turn, but with this card. Yep. And this card has to hit in order to get go again. The red one is like swinging for three. So it like, if it's blocked with an action card, then it's also like a break point because Bolton will give it plus one. Yeah. So it's like a three or four. But if they block with like a three block non-attack or like a defense reaction, it just kind of shuts that turn down. Mm -hmm. But I guess you have the card in soul. You just also had to charge a yellow. That's kind of specific. You can't just charge the worst card in your hand unless the worst card in your hand was a yellow one. So that's a lot of hoops to jump through for a card that is pretty below rate, maybe on rate, if they block with an attack action, which means that you're counting the hero ability in the rate of this card, which doesn't seem fair to me. Like, Viscerai gets a whole bunch of zero for five. That's what I'm saying! <laughs> <laughs> Since the beginning! <laughs> he doesn't have any zero for fives. Revel in Runeblood. Oh. Okay, <laughs> Swarming Gloomvale? Swarming Gloomvale. Both of those have massive conditions to get to the five power What the mark. fuck is this? This is two <laughs> conditions. <laughs> this is, it has to hit, and it has to be a yellow card that you charged. You had to throw an entire card into your soul. That's what I'm I know, saying. I know I sound like Joel, because I've been <laughs> saying this for, like, years. <laughs> but this is the new card that is supposed to save Bolton. <laughs> so... I will say this about Light the Way. It blocks for three. And I'll say another thing, too. I'm going to say nice things about this card. I think all the foils in Duskledon are really pretty. Oh, especially the light foils. The light foils in Duskledon are so pretty. So I have two foil Light the Ways that I want to give to you guys to yeah. celebrate this episode. Let me just unsleeve them. He said I sound like <laughs> Anyway, one for you and one for you. Thank you. Well, that's all I got for Light the Way. <laughs> that was so funny. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> now you have a foil one, Joel, that you can run in your Bolton deck. I'm going to run just this one. <laughs> we really Light wish you signed a red one, but this one's fine. Because red is at least a little bit more valid. Yeah. Bro, Dusk Till Dawn wants you to run yellow, so I'm going to run yellow Light the Way. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to run red Light the Way? I only have so many slots for red cards. I need yellows <laughs> if I'm going to run Beaming Blade. <laughs> And Prayer of Bologna. I love the comment. This is the set that was supposed to save Bolton. <laughs> right? It like, was. That's so true. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Are you going to say bye, Clark? <laughs> Do I have to? Yes. Know? All right. Goodbye, everybody. Pitch It To Me podcast is hosted by Fuzzy Delp, Clark Moore, and Joel Racinos. Our executive producer is Talon Stradley. Logistics Coordinator, John Farkas. Music by Dylan Hulse. Logo by Han V. And sound mixing by Christopher Moore. Last but not least, we'd like to thank you, the listener. Thank you for tuning in. Please give us a follow on your favorite social media platform at Pitch It To Me Podcast.